Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, September 24th. San Diego's ghost gun ordinance. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The CDC has approved Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine booster shots for the elderly, those with medical conditions, and high-risk workers like those in healthcare. Dr. Christian Ramers is an infectious disease expert with Family Health Centers of San Diego. He warns people not to try to fake a need for the extra shot. You know, vaccine adverse events are extremely rare, but if something bad was to happen, you as the patient or the person giving you the vaccine is really not covered because they're not really following published guidelines. So you're a little bit out on a limb there. Governor Gavin Newsom approved nearly $1 billion in new spending for wildfire prevention. The spending was approved while Newsom visited Sequoia National Park, where the KNP complex fire is threatening the world's largest and oldest trees. Most of California's wildfire budget is spent on putting out fires. This new money will focus on prevention measures like clearing brush and dead trees. Saying thanks for your military service is nice enough, but on Thursday, the San Diego Padres went a bit further. They gave a car to retired U.S. Marine Corps Gunnery Sergeant Paul McQuig, not only to thank him for his 20 years of service, but also for his work with nonprofits that helped the military and veterans. Here's Gunny McQuig. To hear about stories and so on and so forth of other guys and they're happy for them and happy for their families that, they, that something like this would happen for them. Um, but when it happens to you, it's kind of like, wow, you know, um, what did I do to really deserve something as, you know, as great as this? From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. Mayor Todd Gloria signed a first-of-its-kind law in the country on Thursday aimed at getting so-called ghost guns off the streets. The bill got its start in April after a gunman opened fire in the gas lamp quarter with deadly results. KPBS's John Carroll has more. You can see there's, a, there's an approved or there's a veto. I can assure you I'll be signing on the approved line and let me do that right now, okay? With Councilmember Marnie Von Wilpert and gun safety advocates looking on, Mayor Todd Gloria signed an ordinance meant to crack down on ghost guns. The name of the new law is ENUF, E-N-U-F, Eliminate Unserialized, Untraceable Firearms. Von Wilpert began working on the ordinance not long after a mass shooting in the gas lamp quarter back in April. A man who was legally prohibited from owning a gun was able to commit this crime 
kill a fellow San Diegan and injure others because he got a ghost gun. The incident motivated Von Wilpert to ask San Diego police to assess how big a problem ghost guns are in the city. The results were eye-opening, a problem that's bad and getting worse. Police department data shows there's been a 169% increase in the first quarter of this year in the amount of ghost guns used to commit crime in the city, with ghost guns accounting for more than 25% of the more than 500 illegal guns confiscated this year. So today we are taking action to close the ghost gun loophole, which allows people who cannot safely possess a firearm to obtain them without a background check, going around all of our gun safety laws. And that reporting from KPBS's John Carroll. The law goes into effect on October 14th. The annual tradition of Restaurant Week is happening again, and this year the celebration is hoping to draw people back to dining out. But KPBS's Alexander Wynn says restaurants are still having a staffing shortage. Restaurant Week is back. With more than 100 participating restaurants spanning the county, Restaurant Week chairman Andy Bauman says it's a chance for people to expand their culinary horizons. He's also the owner of Tom Ham's Lighthouse on Shelter Island. If Restaurant Week is a way for somebody to get a discount to come see my location and become a fan of ours forever, you know, that, that is why we participate in Restaurant Week. You know, this is our 17th year. Participating restaurants will offer prefix menus ranging from $10 to $25 for lunch and $20 to $60 for dinner. One Door North in North Park, for example, is offering three courses for $40. With all the pivoting that restaurants have done in the past 18 months or so, owner Tammy Peel was worried about how to support her staff. She says just having Restaurant Week again is a welcome change. With Restaurant Week and the opening back up of restaurants, um, it's been great to have that worry um, alleviated. While many people are excited about eating out again, restaurant owners are asking people to be patient because they're still having a hard time hiring servers. Thank you. There are times where you walk in the door and you can see empty tables and we're not going to seat you. And, and, you know, that's just because we can't do it. The staffing shortage has hit the restaurant industry especially hard. Bauman says he's having a hard time hiring people for a variety of positions, such as dishwashers. Restaurant owners have increased wages, but some people aren't willing to go back to work just yet. While the dining experience won't be what many are used to pre-pandemic, owners says diners should cut their servers some slack and enjoy the experience. And that was KPBS's Alexander Wynn. For a list of participating restaurants, visit our website at kpbs.org. Governor Gavin Newsom has signed a bill that requires warehouse operators to disclose more about the quotas and algorithms they use to squeeze more productivity out of workers. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. In his signing statement, the governor wrote, we cannot allow corporations to put profit over people. The bill by Assemblymember and union ally Lorena Gonzalez of San Diego is widely seen as targeting Amazon, an industry leader in using data and quotas to track work rates, sometimes to the extent that employees forego state-mandated rest periods and push themselves to the point of injury. AB 701 prohibits production quotas that drive workers to injury and establishes stronger enforcement mechanisms to protect workers from retaliation if they seek redress. And that was KQED's Rachel Myro.
Like many arts organizations, Diversionary Theater was forced to close its doors during the pandemic, but it put the time to good use by moving ahead with major and needed remodeling. This weekend, the theater reopens not just to in-person performances, but to a renovated facility. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando has this preview. Diversionary theater may have been closed to live performances, but it's been busy making improvements as executive artistic director Matt Morrow. Our newly coined Alfred Mazur and Robert Granite main stage has been completely renovated. We have new theater seats. We took down a wall, so we've expanded the stage itself to make it a little bit larger. It's still an incredibly intimate stage with 102 seats. There's also a full bar, a new cabaret space, swanky bathrooms, and an education center. Plus, COVID-conscious improvements like a better air filtration system. But most importantly, Diversionary returns to live shows this weekend with the Play 1 and 2. I'm so excited that we're bursting back into action with the West Coast premiere of Danye Love's 1 and 2. The title 1 and 2 is a reference to a CDC statistic that is unfortunately still relevant today that says 1 and 2 Queer African-American men will contract HIV-AIDS in their lifetime. One in Two has preview performances for friends and donors this weekend and then runs October 2nd through the 24th on the newly improved diversionary stage. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Coming up, San Diego welcomes its first ever professional men's ATP tennis tournament. This is just going to inspire, motivate our youth for the tennis community to be able to have players just feet away, you know, right in front of you to play. I think it's going to be a huge experience and just promote the game of tennis. That's next, just after the break. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcasts and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. The biggest professional tennis tournament in San Diego history starts next week. Some notable international and local players will be there. KPBS's Melissa May has more. The Barnes Tennis Center in Point Loma had just five weeks to organize and prepare the first ever Association of Tennis Professionals tourney in San Diego. From September 27th to October 3rd, tennis fans have the chance to see some of the best male tennis players in the world compete in the San Diego Open. For the sports community and San Diego, it's a big deal. Jack McGrory is the co-chair of the tournament and an avid tennis player. He tells us how the ATP finally selected San Diego to host an ATP tournament. 
when the Chinese part of the tour got canceled because of the pandemic, they called us and said, will you please host an ATP tournament so we can keep the players working and earning prize money. The ATP granted several one-year license to tournaments, and we were so fortunate to get one of those. Ryan Redondo is the Barnes Tennis Center general manager and San Diego Open tournament director. He says every seat is a good one. The courts, the weather, there is not one bad seat in this facility, so it's just going to be awesome. This center court right now holds 2,000 people. Our second court will hold about 400, so we have a lot of people that can come through. Youth Tennis San Diego owns and operates the center and is dedicated to promoting the development of all youth through organized tennis. Clinics for kids are scheduled throughout the tournament, and many of the young athletes will be sitting in the stands or serving as ball girls and boys. This is just going to inspire, motivate our youth for the tennis community to be able to have players just feet away, you know, right in front of you to play. I think it's going to be a huge experience and just promote the game of tennis and our city. This men's professional tournament will feature a 28-player singles draw and a 16-team doubles draw. A total of $600,000 in prize money is up for grabs. You're going to have great food, a great atmosphere, music, merchandise to buy, concessions, and great weather, San Diego. Hundreds of jobs were created to put on a tournament of this size, from construction to concessions. Plus, hundreds of volunteers are needed to help this tournament run smoothly. Besides creating jobs for the community, the tournament will help the local economy too. Hundreds of thousands of dollars are going to go into the, into the city just by bringing this one-week tournament in. So it's a huge boost to the city. It's a huge boost to Point Loma, Ocean Beach, downtown. And you know, it's, it's, it's so positive for the city. Players set to appear include Andre Rublev, currently the number five player in the world. And the big one is Andy Murray. Everybody's really excited about Andy, multi-Grand Slam champion, gold medalist. So we're really looking forward to having him here. The talent is the best in the world. It's what you see on the U.S. Open. And all of these guys will be then going on to Indian Wells, too. Three local tennis players will have the opportunity to play in front of a hometown crowd, including Brandon Nakashima, who's currently ranked 85th in the world. He hit some tennis balls on the deck of the USS Midway to promote the San Diego Open and show the ATP support for the military community. To be able to come up here and even to hit some tennis balls up here, it's such a cool experience. The tournament will be having a Military Appreciation Day on September 29th. Nakashima is constantly traveling to different tennis tournaments all over the world. He's looking forward to sleeping in his own bed for a change. It's such a good feeling coming back home and and being able to, to play a professional tournament close by uh, where I grew up and, and where I trained as a junior, it's really cool to see. And, and it's, uh, it's going to be great to have all my, my family and friends uh, come out and support. The Rancho Santa Fe High Bluff Academy graduate plans on being a part of the youth clinics as much as he can. The tournament will feature two sessions a day. The day session starts at 11.30 a.m. and a night session starts at 5.30 p.m. Free shuttles are being provided from Liberty Station to the Barnes Tennis Center for both the day and night sessions. Masks are required on the shuttle, but not at the venue. That was KPBS's Melissa May. Qualifying matches for the tournament will be held at Barnes Tennis Center this weekend. And we're told there are still tickets available for that and every session of the tournament as well.
And that's it for the podcast today. Tomorrow, we'll have a special bonus episode of the podcast featuring the KPBS Summer Music Series. In the meantime, be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful weekend.